Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Taste some of this. This. OMG. Is the Rich Eisen Show. No other way to put it. With guest host Brian Weber. Oh my gosh. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I'm not talking to you. I talk to anybody out there. The haters. Rich Eisen. I talk to the haters right now. And now, sitting in for Rich... Here's Brian Weber. Easing into another stellar hour of the program. Hop aboard at 844-204-7424. I have taken a phone call this week. So as much as it sounds like I am an auctioneer or a carnival barker, I give out the number for a reason. If you want to be a part of this fine program, 844-204-7424. Keep the conversation rolling along on Twitter. B.W. Weber, Weber with two B's in 40 minutes. We'll incorporate the first two guests. Coming up in this hour, we're talking NBA with Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic, in addition to what I'm going to cover presently. And then final hour of the program, 2.40 Eastern time. More baseball heading into the All-Star break. Looking forward to checking in with Scott Miller of the New York Times. You hear him on Sirius XM Radio. 20 minutes from now, back to the NFL. We had a good, I thought, reasonable analysis of where Dalvin Cook could wind up. We'll shift our attention to the San Francisco Bay Area. 49ers have been so consistent, irrespective of all of the injuries at quarterback. Can they maintain that this season? Was Brock Purdy... More than just one of the most remarkable stories we've ever seen. Or was that an aberration? Because there's reason to believe it's going to be a lot harder for Brock to duplicate what he did last year. In addition, coming back from the elbow procedure, a lot more tape on him. Because unless teams scouted Mr. Relevant as they were game planning early on, he was a mystery when he got on the field initially, but unbelievable performance last year. It helps to have all of the talent surrounding him on both sides of the ball, and that's certainly the biggest asset the Niners continue to have. If we're just stacking rosters next to each other, Niners right there with clearly the Chiefs, although Kansas City continues to have defensive liabilities. That's not a problem when Mahomes and Kelsey can outscore you 42-35 if need be. Buffalo's still there despite whatever is going on with Stephon Diggs and head coach Sean McDermott or quarterback Josh Allen, whatever the dynamic you believe is happening in Western New York. And 
The Eagles, as is often the case, when you lose the Super Bowl, we somehow forget about you. Now, the good news for the Eagles, and we're talking NBA coming up in 90 seconds. Quick thought, though, on the Eagles. And this might be me being a prisoner of the past, but this was a big chunk of a sample size. History said the team that lost the Super Bowl often struggled even to make it to the playoffs the following year. Not the case recently, and Cincinnati disproved that notion because they had a great shot at beating the Rams. The Rams have imploded moving forward, and Cincinnati was right there last year, although probably got too cute with all of that Burrowhead nonsense and the most ridiculous aspect I thought was the mayor of Cincinnati with his paternity test. Your Honor, you have better things to do. Go fit yourself into, let's say, a construction crew, and why don't you go fix those potholes rather than trying to get a cheap headline? I'm Brian Weber. I know about cheap heat. I'm in for Rich Eisen. You can't tweet at me, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. So we started the program an hour ago going in-depth on the story that hijacked yesterday's program. We're not going down the Wembanyana Brittany Road again. We'll revisit that coming up in an hour from now. But it's going to be intriguing to see what Wembanyana has to offer in the summer league context with the understanding he's playing summer league dudes. I also heard, well, he's got to make the adjustment from the international rules. Okay, here's a quick overview. In international ball, the key is a trapezoid. Big difference. Okay, he can move two feet forward into a standard rectangle. So I'm really breaking this down gruesomely. He'll learn that unlike international ball, when the basketball's on the rim, you can't touch it. Offensive goaltending. And there's your quick summation. And international ball's more physical. That's a benefit for Wembyana, especially because the NFL is uh, foreshadowing how all these rules have changed. We've seen it in the NBA. Both the NFL, believe it or not, and the NBA are far less physical than they used to be. Now, clearly the NFL is a collision sport. Car wrecks happening all across the field, but the rules have changed a lot of the overall feel of the National Football League. Same thing in the NBA. If you had the bad boy Pistons showing up, Wembenyana would have a very different approach to what he's going to face when we get to the regular season. Forget about largely unwatchable exhibitions in summer league play. So it's the summer of Wembenyana coupled with the summer of Damon Lillard. I've been with you all week long. Always a delight to have an opportunity to contribute to a show I greatly admire. I have done my best to attack the Lillard story from a variety of angles. I've tried to incorporate different destinations that he could get to other than Miami. But perhaps because I have covered this, hopefully so thoroughly, I keep arriving at the same conclusion. This feels a lot like the Aaron Rodgers story on many different levels. It became clear Rodgers was going to wind up on the Jets. It took too long because of the negotiation, and the Packers did fairly well with the compensation. That's why you slow things down. If the deal is not to your liking, Get up and walk away from the table. But then things really tilted and became more of a it's a done deal, dot, 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 other than the terms, 
once Rodgers went public on the Pat McAfee program and said the Jets are where he thinks and wants to go. It took too long afterwards from a standpoint of content creation because it became so damn repetitive. But the end game was clarified then. That's the other comp I'm making between Rodgers to the Jets, which we all presume would happen, and it did happen, and Lillard to Miami, which many of us presume will happen. Now the question is timing. We've not heard directly from Damian Lillard. He's had some cryptic tweets, and I'm not going to try to interpret that like we're hunting for the Zodiac Killer. The social media game is not my forte. Hence, I will not be threading anytime soon. I am tweeting. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich. Friday edition of the Rich Eisen Show. You can tweet at me, B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs in 30 minutes. We'll check in with Mike Vorkanoff, who covers the NBA for the Athletic. We'll get his perspective on the seemingly never-ending Damian Lillard saga. Lillard's not talking, but his agent, Aaron Gordon, is. So here are the new developments since the last time I was with you yesterday. According to reports, Goodwin and the GM for the Blazers, Joe Cronin, had what NBA insiders, Mark Spears of ESPN, labeled productive conversations, quote-unquote, yesterday. So there's actually a dialogue happening, which is good. That was balanced by a report earlier in the day from the lead NBA insider, the Adam Schefter of basketball, Adrian Wojnarowski, who made a few points that stood out to me. First of all, Woj seems to be carrying water for Portland here. And the job description of an information broker, you're a broker. You're looking for the correct scoop from everyone you can, is a fascinating role to play. Now, it's high paying. I would like to be in the same tax bracket as Woj and Adam Schefter. But there's also... A lot of personal relationships involved. And sometimes these guys, I'm not saying that it's particularly applicable to this situation, but we've seen a pattern in the past. Sometimes teams leak things for a reason. And if you are Adrian Wojnarowski or Adam Schefter, you're the go-between understanding that if you play ball, you might get more access, you might get more information in the future. That's how it works in this day and age. So I thought it was interesting that Woj felt the need to reiterate what we all know to be true, that Portland's not just going to lay down here. They're not just going to simply acquiesce to Lillard. They're going to do what any well-run franchise should do, especially one that is parting ways with their best offensive player, a superstar in Lillard. They've got to fill that void not only with guys could actually – fill it up and score some points this year in addition to all that they're going to ask Scoot Henderson to do, and he's going to be a phenomenal rookie. They need people to fill out the roster. Then they need draft capital because the more picks you have, the higher probability you're going to nail them, and you're going to get future potential all-stars. So if we're thinking about the pick equation, the threshold was set Going back to the Anthony Davis deal, between L.A. and New Orleans, Lakers sent three first-round picks to get A.D. And remember how many years in the making 
was that trade? How long did we hear AD wants out and he wants to go to L.A.? What happened? He got there. Because the vast majority of times, NBA superstars not only are able to force their way out, they go where they want to go. That's how it works in that league. Radically different than the NFL, for example. So three first-round picks feels like the bare minimum, but then the stakes were raised recently. Somehow, Rudy Gobert yielded four first-round picks. I'm still trying to figure out how that made any sense, although credit the skilled negotiation power of Danny Ainge. He's been in these kind of talks before to get four first-round picks from Minnesota for Gobert is straight fleecing, and then that got confirmed in the Kevin Durant trade. Four more first-round picks involved going from Phoenix to Brooklyn. So, however, the mechanics of this deal between Portland and Miami ultimately gets resolved. And do the Nets, for example, have to jump in? Because they have all those draft picks as capital after dealing both Durant and Kyrie. Would it require a fourth team? Because clearly Portland has made it quite obvious by strategic leaking. They have no interest in Tyler Hero. Well, Hero is going to go someplace because the Heat need to get him off the books to create some room for Lillard, plus That's the only real name they have out there to send in addition to picks. Let's say you have multiple teams involved. Hero briefly is sent to Portland, and then Portland sends him to another team for another first-round pick, and that's how we get closer to the four first-round picks. They should demand because that's the precedent for a player, the stature of Damian Lillard. But none of this has to happen now. So that's why, in my opinion, Lillard's agent, Aaron Gordon, has been on the phone because that's what an agent is supposed to do. He's supposed to be your zealous representative. He's supposed to earn that percentage to help you achieve your career goals. Well, if Lillard only wants to go to Miami and this thing continues to drag on, the accelerant should be the start of summer league play in Vegas tonight. Because in addition to Wembenyana mania, NBA executives show up, they get in a room, and deals get done. We've seen it repeatedly over the years. So perhaps a week from now, all of this endless round and round will have culminated, and Lillard will wind up in Miami, as most of us believe will be the outcome. But so long as the deal has yet to be finalized, other teams have the opportunity to jump in. That's why, for all of the speculation, the Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks was a done deal. He wound up in Cleveland. I'll go back to Paul George forcing his way out of Indy. He made it clear that the Lakers were the preferred team he wanted to go to. Indy said, okay, well, thank you. We're going to consider that. Nah, how about Oklahoma City? (laughs) Enjoy your time with the Thunder. So those are the two exceptions that I think prove the rule. That if you are a superstar, if you do make that kind of profound difference, you can get the exit you want and you're going to the place that you desire, especially because the Blazers, I think, want this to be smooth from a PR perspective. They don't, quote-unquote, owe Lillard anything. 
They're paying him, and they'll continue to pay him because they signed him to that monster contract extension. Still, the guy has been exceptionally loyal. He has stayed, I think, two years too long, blowing two more years in his prime. He has been an ambassador for the franchise. He's been great in the community. You don't want it to end on a contentious note. There is also the minor school of thought that, quote-unquote, if they do Dame dirty, and I don't even know where sending him other than Miami could be perceived as, oh, my goodness, can you believe? Let's say he goes to Brooklyn. All right, the goal to win immediately won't be achieved, but you're still in New York, and the Nets still have a ton of assets, and they have an owner in Joe Tsai who just demonstrated with the failed debacle of Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, that he's willing to do whatever it takes. But let's just go back for the sake of argument to the notion that, well, they screwed Dame. They didn't send him to Miami. No other superstar is going to go to Portland. That's the pushback you hear. Well, my counter would be how many superstars have voluntarily gone to Portland. And that's in no way a knock on a phenomenal city, one of my favorite parts of the country, as I come to you from our Regal Studios here in Southern California, and a great basketball town, Rip City, for decades. So you throw it all together, I think we get to the end game of Lillard going to Miami. The details will take time to iron out. But to accelerate the process, according to that first report from Woj I mentioned, Aaron Goodwin reportedly quote-unquote, cautioning prospective teams from trading for Lillard because, quote-unquote, he would only be happy in Miami. So the thought process there is this. Don't trade for Dame because you don't want a disgruntled superstar. Now, that has some big assumptions in it because, to me, Lillard has been such a professional because he loves basketball so much, because he carries himself in such a positive manner, I can't see Lillard winding up on a team that he did not want to go to, A, even happening. But if we're playing hypotheticals, let's play the hypothetical out to its logical conclusion. If that happens, I can't see Lillard mailing it in. I can't see him going into Operation Shutdown. So, Goodwin is doing the right thing as an agent, trying to achieve his client's goal. And you could say that's underhanded. And I would tell you, He's an agent. That's part of the job description. And, in fact, Goodwin went on the record, interview with Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, and clarified that initial thought that he's on the phone telling teams other than the Heat, don't trade for Dave because you'd get an unhappy Lillard. Here's what Goodwin said on the record. And I'm impressed that he took the time to say this after all of the rumor and innuendo and speculation, quote, I do what I should for my client. Some teams I did call. Other teams have called me. It's a respectful relationship with most teams. Truthfully, he wants to play in Miami, period. There's nothing wrong with that statement. And I applaud Goodwin for telling it like it is. Because we know this all to be true. So, because your patience has been appreciated... Because I'm not with you next week on this show. Let's just give you the prediction you weren't looking for, but it's part of my job as the fill-in host. Let me flip to page 19 here, the FCC handbook. How does this play out? 
Lillard winds up in Miami. Blazers get pieces, but for most among them, four first-round picks and some dudes. Tyler Hero winds up elsewhere. Lillard plus Butler now able to play more of a complementary role, which is the right path for him to take now as he gets deeper into his 30s. And an emerging offensive skill set we saw from Bam Adebayo, in addition to all of his defensive prowess, coupled with one of the best coaches in the NBA at Eric Spolstra, the vaunted, you don't have to say it, heat culture, Pat Riley, presumably pulling off another phenomenal deal. If I'm going through the balance of power in the East, I'm still going with Milwaukee. I think I zigged there when you thought I was going to zag. Milwaukee did all the moves they needed to do to keep the core intact. Bringing back Chris Middleton. Bringing back Brooke Lopez. Adding his twin brother, Robin. Wonder Twins activate. I'm aware Giannis had a minor. It's minor when it's not our knee. It's his knee. But a cleanup procedure on his knee. That's okay. It's the summertime. If Giannis stays healthy, Milwaukee is still the best team in the East. Then I go Miami. Then I go Boston right there. If Boston can figure out... Whatever's going on from a standpoint of cohesion, maybe getting Marcus Smart out of that locker room, sending them to Memphis will change the dynamic because, according to reports, Brown and Tatum have been too deferential. They'll be forced to step up as leaders. So we're looking Milwaukee, Miami right there, Boston, and then Philadelphia continues to be stuck in the middle. And I'm with you hopefully next summer. Let me give you another look into the future. When I'm here this week, a year from now, it'll be the summer of Embiid. We'll be talking about Joel being unhappy, the Sixers losing in the second round again. Embiid wants out. Where is he going? And I won't even start that. I I, I need to probably take a nap after all of the windy roads I've been going down with Damian Lillard. I'm Brian Weber. Call me Rand and McNally. You're Thomas guy. That is a contemporary reference. In for Rich Eisen, 844-204-7424, the phone number. You can tweet at me, B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs in 20 minutes. Back to the NBA when we check in with our first guest today, Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. Up next, we return to the NFL. Despite having elbow surgery in the offseason, can the 49ers count on Brock Purdy? To duplicate his magic of a year ago, we are focusing on where San Francisco belongs on the short list of teams with a real chance to win it all. Coming off that run to the MC title game, then everything changed when Purdy got hurt at the outset. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich. We continue on this Friday edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased 
in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. Brian Weber with you. I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 844-204-7424 is the phone number. You can tweet at me, BW Weber, Weber with two Bs. We'll keep this NFL block concise. In 15 minutes, we'll get you fully lined up for. The Summer League debut, uh, Victor Wembanyama tonight in Vegas. We will not talk Britney Spears. I'll get back to that scintillating topic coming up in 30 minutes to start the final hour of the program. Looking forward to coming up in our next block to getting the NBA analysis provided by Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. We're 19 days away from the start of training camps, so I'm doing my best to pick topics that I think will be resonating when we get deep, deep, deep into the regular season. So, for example, I am not breaking down the Houston Texans. While I am more of a C.J. Stroud fan than a lot of folks, I'm picking teams with a real chance of winding up playing in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, if you've not been paying attention. Vegas, baby, Vegas, and what a spectacle that's going to be in February. 49ers, undeniably, Belong on that short list. Just think about the recent body of work. Multiple trips to the NFC title game and a Super Bowl as well. In fact, a Jimmy Garoppolo overthrow might have cost the Niners that Super Bowl. But let's stay grounded in the here and now. The quarterback situation remains muddled. Now, if you're a Niner fan, and I always try to be transparent, I went to college in the Bay Area. I spent 15 years on TV and radio there. I have great affection for the Niners. I'm not bashing the Niners in any sense. John Lynch went to my alma mater. He's a brilliant football mind. Kyle Shanahan is always billed as one of the most innovative coaches we've seen. He is certainly a great play caller, but we're all mortal. We all have things we can improve upon, and I won't even be snarky with a 28-3 observation in the Super Bowl. Shanahan, though, has demonstrated whoever the quarterback is, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, whoever 
is under center, he's going to find a way because of his tremendous command of his scheme and because of the creative play calling and especially because of the bold move, in part because Carolina was tanking to get the number one overall pick. It's going to be interesting to see if Bryce Young can just stay healthy. I can't think of the comp of someone that, let's choose our words nicely, diminutive, undersized, having a long and productive career. That's going to be the big dilemma because arguably he had a better offensive line in Alabama than he will year one in Carolina. But adding McCaffrey to a team that was already stocked on both sides of the ball, we never talk about defense, but I'm presuming a level of sophistication if you're listening to this show. You know how good the Niner defense has been for the last five years. The front seven is ferocious. And they went out and got Javon Hargrave from Philadelphia, who had an equally good defense. Big reason why Philadelphia and San Francisco met in the NFC title game, in addition to the sensational play of Brock Purdy. And just from a standpoint of a watchable game, If Purdy doesn't get hurt, obviously there's a huge different dynamic to how things played out in that beatdown that occurred in the NFC title game, which was just unwatchable. It was a shame. Felt like rain delay kind of material immediately. Purdy went down at the same time the Niners' chances went down. So what's the realistic outlook this year? And it starts with Purdy. Remember, he needed the procedure on his elbow, everything we're hearing and reading, we'll get more clarity coming up in less than three weeks and training camp starts, is that he's on track to be available week one. If not, Sam Darnold is currently listed in front of Trey Lance on the Niners' depth chart. I realize that's just an overview. It's just a piece of paper. The fascination with Sam Darnold just puzzles me immensely. And maybe because of the bias, I'm here in L.A. and I went to grad school at USC. Sam Darnold is a nice player, but he was a turnover machine in college. He's now on his third team, and this is still a young guy. But it's also a reflection that Lance is coming back from a procedure of his own. All of the positives we're hearing from his teammates, I think, are meaningful. George Kittle's going every show he can. I I know he was on with Rich getting ready for tight end university, his gathering of the best performers at his position, talking about how impressed he's been with the work ethic and the development that Trey Lance has made in his mechanics. Remember, Trey Lance was working out with Mahomes, and unfortunately for Trey, he took off his hat, and I guess the hairline is not as thick as it used to be, and the internet decided to write him prescriptions for Propecia. That doesn't matter, but... Is Trey Lance going to be on the Niners long-term? Now, the question would be, what are they going to get in return for him because of, unfortunately, the series of injuries and the perception that he's damaged goods? But can you have Trey Lance hanging around, although everything I'm reading says he's a great teammate, or do you need him? And I think this is the more accurate observation. Do you need him for insurance reasons based on all of the injuries the Niners have gone through at the quarterback position. That's how we got to Brock Purdy having the opportunity that no one foresaw only because Lance 
got injured early in the year after struggling in his initial couple starts. Jimmy Garoppolo was not even supposed to be on that team a year ago at this time. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out where's Jimmy Garoppolo going if he gets cut by the Niners. How about Seattle? I had him in front of Geno Smith. Now, I'm not alone in saying that Geno didn't have a future. What was Geno's great line? They wrote me off and I didn't write back. Geno is a phenomenal story and good for him. And Seattle's better than you think. Made the playoffs last year. But call me a skeptic, even if he's fully healthy, I think it's going to be a real monumental challenge for Brock Purdy to come close to the level of play last year for the reasons that you can come up with. Defenses now have tape on him. There's also something called regression to the mean. You are what you consistently do. There was a reason why Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. And I'm not trying to destroy what was a phenomenal story last year. The question is, can he replicate the success he had last year? Now, he doesn't have to be as accurate. All the Niners need is a high-end game manager. That's all Garoppolo was, and they made the Super Bowl with him because of how that roster is built. I mentioned Kittle, and you know about Debo and Brandon Ayuk and all the defensive names I could rattle off. Plus, in that division, Cardinals might be the worst team in all of football, and I gave you the ESPN rankings of rosters based on their relative talent level. ESPN has the Rams as second worst, second only to the Cardinals. So it's a much more straightforward division than it was in the past. San Francisco certainly is a playoff team, probably going to win the division again. But it's all about now winning a Lombardi Trophy, especially with the expectations of that franchise and that fan base. I'm not convinced Purdy can run it back. Last year felt like the magical window. We've seen it before in the NFL, how radically things change. And we're all purchasing gold jackets and putting fellas in Canton, Ohio. Then we never hear from them again. So I'm rooting for Purdy. League is more interesting if he can keep it going, but I'm skeptical. Still, as long as he can stay healthy and not become a turnover machine. And that was his biggest asset when he was thrown into duty completely unexpectedly. He limited the turnovers, didn't try to do too much. Going to be very interesting to see how things develop this year in the Bay Area. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. Hit me up on Twitter, BW Weber, Weber with two Bs. Coming up, we'll return to the NBA. What are realistic expectations for Victor Wembanyama heading into his rookie year as he'll make his NBA Summer League debut tonight in Vegas? Looking forward to checking in with Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. Weber in for Eisen. It's a Friday installment of The Rich Eisen Show. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Brian Weber back with you. Friday edition of the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-7424 is our phone number. You can tweet at me, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. Hour from now, we get to set for the last push of MLB heading into the All-Star break and the game itself coming up on Tuesday when we check in with Scott Miller of the New York Times. Now let's talk hoops. Always a pleasure. So focus on the NBA with Mike Vorkanov of The Athletic. Mike, how are you? I'm great. How's it going? I'm doing well. I appreciate you taking the time. So with Wembenyana Mania sweeping the world, I want your thoughts on not whatever happened between Wemby and Britney Spears. We'll save that for another day. But realistic expectations for Wembenyana year one in the NBA. I don't care what he does in summer league, but... What do you think he's going to achieve on the floor this season for San Antonio? Well, I, I think he'll be pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think, which is impressive enough, usually rookies, no matter where they're selected in the draft, struggle uh, in their first year in the NBA. You know, they're inefficient, uh, take time to adjust on defense, all those uh, all those things. But I, I think it would be it would be reasonable to see Victor Wembanyama come in and play pretty well, maybe become even a 20-point-per-game scorer, which is, uh, I think, something Paul Carroll last year's number one pick did. Uh, and, and I don't know if he'll be the best player on the Spurs right away. They do have some talented guys there. Uh, but I think he'll be a, po- a net positive contributor for sure. We're all looking for comps, and then we all fall into the habit of saying, well, this player is a unicorn. He's one of one. But for casual fans who don't know much about Wembenyana's game, from what you've seen and people you talk to, have you heard the comparison? He's Kevin Durant, but taller. Uh, I think the hardest thing about Wembenyama is that there's not really a comp yeah. there to be made, right? Like he's seven three and a half without shoes. Uh, he's got ball skills of a guard. He's a great defender. Uh, you know, as a prospect, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, I guess you can say that, but I, I think that the fact that he is so unique that he is this. Uh, this kind of player that we haven't really seen uh, coming into the NBA in its history, it makes it hard to even throw a comp out there. So just think of really tall guys who can do a lot of things <laughs> on offense and then also potentially be a really good rim protector, shot blocker, uh, and just try to make that work in your head. And that's where the NBA is now, right? When you think about the unique skill set of Nikola Jokic doing things statistically, we haven't seen a center do in the playoffs since Will Chamberlain and Joel Embiid as well. It is a fascinating time to be a basketball fan. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen, talking NBA with Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. Mike, before we get to Damian Lillard, quick off-topic question, but I think you can handle it. So I was looking up summer league schedules to try to get a sense of how much Wembyana will play. I was directed by the NBA to a story about the upcoming in-season tournament in December in Vegas. Do you have any details on this thing? We've been hearing it's coming. It just sounds gimmicky to me, but 
in fairness, I don't know everything about it. Yeah, I think the biggest comparison would be to something that um, we see in European soccer. You know, I think it's their version to try to create the NBA uh, equivalent of that. And so we'll see, you know, uh, a quarter, a, uh, a group play stage uh, throughout the first uh, month or so, month and a half of the season, uh, where teams get put into the same groups, uh, you know, three teams per group, if I remember correctly. And then, uh, you know, they'll advance to a quarterfinals and the semis, and then you'll have your finals in Vegas. And so it's, it's the NBA's attempt to create something a little more meaningful during the regular season and to, um, you know, make people tune in in that first week or so of December and get them to care about uh, games they might not have otherwise cared about. All right, thanks for the overview. Hey, I was a cynic on the play-in, and that's proven to be a good addition, so I'll try to keep an open mind. When we get to December, will we have clarity on Damian Lillard's future? Now, maybe I'm beat up because I've been doing this topic every show this week. Ultimately, do you think he winds up in Miami? Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, I think they'll make a good push for him. I, I think it's going to be a battle of wills, right? Like, where he wants to go, uh, where the Blazers want to send them, and also just who can offer the best deal out there. And uh, I, I think it's still a little early to tell. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it stretches into the summer a little bit. And, and I've been laying it out. There's certainly no urgency for Portland to get it done because the longer they wait, maybe the offers get better. Let's play it out to its hypothetical conclusion. Because typically when stars went out and they have a preferred destination, they get there. If Lillard winds up on the Heat, a team that just made the finals as the eighth seed, although they were the top seed, as you know, in the East a year before, where do you slot them then amongst the real short list of teams that can win it all. Do you think Lillard plus Butler and Bam Adebayo would be better than the Nuggets? I'm not going to go so far to say they're better than the Nuggets because I think the Nuggets still have the best player in that scenario. Uh, but I, I think they've become maybe, you know, the favorite to get out of the East. You remember even they made the finals this past season, but the year before that they had the best, best record in the East and, or like a Jimmy Butler three away from making it to the finals that year too. Um, so I think if you have Butler and Willard and Bam and whoever else Miami finds to put around them, that's a really good team um, with a, you know, probably the best coach going in the NBA right now. And so you're putting them on that short list of title contenders uh, and probably the favorite in the Eastern Conference to get there. Mike Vorgadov of The Athletic is our guest here on The Rich Eisen Show. Mike, in addition to covering the league from a big-picture standpoint, you also spent a lot of time on the business of basketball. So, with Jalen Brown eligible for the Supermax, and if he gets every dollar, that's what, $295 million, something insane, do you find it at all revealing or significant he has yet to sign that deal with Boston? I mean, I think maybe it's- it speaks a little bit to how it's a more complex decision than a normal Supermax. You know, I think the reporting there has been that they're also trying to throw incentives in there. Um, but players as good as Jalen usually get that contract in the end anyway. And so I think it seems like that's where it's going to end up. And so, I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look too far into it. I think really what's going to be revealing is what the terms of the new deal end up looking like. If it's a straight Supermax or if there's incentives to get them there. And that'll tell us uh, what the Celtics think, too. 
Yeah, and the reporting uh, I'm sure you've read and I've read out of Boston claiming for now the Celtics are not interested in Damian Lillard as much as I created that straw man argument as well. I'll let you go on this thought. James Harden is skilled at winding up where he wants to go. So he wanted to leave Houston to get to Brooklyn, achieve that goal, wanted to leave Brooklyn to get to Philly, got that done. Do you think he winds up leaving Philadelphia? And again, is this something we could be tracking all the way to the trade deadline? Well, I think the interesting question is going to be who wants him this time around, right? James Harden is no longer the James Harden of his prime. And it's a lot easier to have that kind of juice and manipulate the way when you're, you know, when the league will say, and best players. Um, I, I think ultimately he'll probably get traded, but I, I think it's going to be a little bit more messy than it was in uh, coming out of Houston or Brooklyn the last two times around. Mike, as always, I appreciate the information. Enjoy the Summer League debut of Wembanyama tonight and the rest of your weekend. Thanks. It's going to be a fun one, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a great atmosphere. Mike Vorkanov of The Athletic kind enough to give us a few minutes which was appreciated because I'm going to be always as upfront as I can be. I'm getting a little Damian Lillard out. Now, no need for you to pick up the phone and call the bullpen. This is my job after all, and I'm in control of the topics. I really appreciate the latitude that Rich gives me. Nobody tells me what to say. Nobody tells me what to say. I don't mean to sound like I'm Robert Conrad now putting a battery on my shoulder. Look it up, kids. While you're looking it up, look up Battle of the Network Superstars. You'll have a wonderful time if you're of a certain age. Joe Frazier was not a skilled swimmer. That was the superstars as well. I'm really dating myself. So coming up in the last then 12 minutes, as we ease into the final hour of the program, we'll talk baseball and all the important components of it when we check in with Scott Miller. You hear him on Sirius XM Radio. You read his work in the New York Times. I've got more NFL to get to. We've already focused on the future of Dalvin Cook. Reasonable expectations for Brock Purdy and the Niners because this is the Rich Eisen Show. And nobody amongst Jet Nation is more fired up that Aaron Rodgers is now a member of Gang Green. We will spotlight what Rodgers is capable of this year, and again, I, I keep using the foundation of realistic because the real salient question from the Jets' point of view, what are you getting in Aaron Rodgers? Certainly an upgrade from Zach Wilson, Mike White, and everything else they had to throw on the field yesterday. But is Rodgers going to play at the level that won him back-to-back MVPs just a few years ago, or... If you watched him last year, he looked beat up. And Tom Brady has skewed our expectations of what an aging quarterback should look like. I think Russell Wilson is showing us what quarterbacks used to look like as they got deeper into their 30s. Now, we were talking about yesterday, according to reports, Russ changing his diet, getting in better shape, trying to make sure he's doing all he can to be as effective as possible, in addition to being coached up by a competent and Super Bowl winning head coach in Sean Payton, in contrast to a completely clueless and overmatched Nathaniel Hackett. But I do think it's fair to wonder, with Aaron Rodgers pushing 40, what is he going to look like on the field? 
And will the Jets have an offensive line that's going to protect him better than Green Bay? That was the other obstacle Aaron had last year. And remember, because he went public with the injury update, he claimed he was rarely 100% because of a thumb injury. So he's got a fresh start. He's fully hit the reset button. But now he's got to match up with Buffalo twice, Miami twice. And while the Patriots seem like they are in free fall, Bill Belichick can still coach up a defense. So we're talking Aaron Rodgers coming up, but we're going to start the final hour of the program taking you back to Las Vegas. Victor Wembanyama, such a global superstar that the queen of pop herself, Britney Spears, apparently either wanted to say hello, say hello to my little friend, or take a picture. And this was the unexpected storyline that dominated the program yesterday. Straight ahead, as we start the final hour of the show, we'll hear from Wemby. What went down from his perspective? How in the world did somebody make contact with a national treasure like Brit Brit? And Spears is weighed in as well. So we'll talk a little bit more TMZ-focused content, and then we'll get into... What Wembanyama can achieve this year? Has the hype machine completely got out of whack, or is he the rare player who's going to exceed our expectations? All that and more coming up. I'm Brian Weber, always having a good time whenever I have the great opportunity to keep the chair warm for Rich. Final hour of the program coming up here on The Rich Eisen Show. 